Welcome to the Search the Scriptures podcast, where we dive into scripture and provide the explanation of it in the most accurate light that we can. Search the Scriptures is a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the Christian, challenging our brothers and sisters along with ourselves to see if we have set aside the commands of God to set up our own traditions. To do this, we use scripture to explain scripture. Please join us on this journey. The question is, what does the Bible mean by only a few will be saved? That was a pretty deep one. Questions or comments on this before we jump right into it. All right, let's jump right into it then. Go back to it. So first of all, let's look into where that question is coming from, from the person that was asking this. Uh, it has to be from here in Luke chapter 13, verse 22 through 23. And it says, he went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are there few being saved? He said to them, and it stops right there before I go to the next one. So it this is more than likely where that this question is coming from. Someone was probably uh, reading or or listening to it, or I don't know if they heard a sermon on it, but it definitely says, uh, I mean, that's where I would think that this question came from. And honestly, um, I wouldn't have thought some years back that this verse was there. And, uh, and this is interesting that someone is truly asking this question. They're asking after Jesus is saying all these things and teaching about the world that's to come the kingdom of heaven someone makes the rightful question after he said all these the uh what a person must do and what uh what a righteous person is someone had the correct question i believe by asking him directly is it just a few people that are going to be saved so questions or comments on this so far All right. Let's continue on with it. So Jesus does continue on it with it. And he says. From Luke chapter 13, verses 24 through 28, he tells the person, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. He will answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you workers of, un of unrighteousness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves thrown out. So that's from Luke chapter 13, verses 24 through 28. A lot is going on here. So Jesus is answering the question. When someone asks that question, is it just going to be a few that are going to be, be saved? And then he answers and says, you should make every effort to enter through the narrow door. And he says, because there's going to be a lot that are going to try to enter and won't be able to. So he basically just answers the question and says, yes, it's just a few that are going to be saved. And he goes to explain 
something I thought was pretty interesting before I ask questions on this uh, is that it did not matter that they ate and drank in his presence or that he taught them in their streets. That, that did not matter that they feel like they have that type of relationship with him, that you were amongst us. We, we heard you. You ate and drank with us. We ate and drank in your presence. Like we were around you and uh, and you were teaching people in our streets. Like, like we know you, but that didn't matter to him. He said specifically, they were workers of unrighteousness or, or lawlessness. They did not want a law. They didn't want rules. Questions or comments on this so far? I was going to say, it looks like, um, you know, that first sentence, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. You know, Jesus had this way of not really answering it because I don't know the, the spirit behind kind of what he asked. I, I'm just looking at it for myself. If I had to ask a similar question, I would have been comparing myself in, in a way, you know, so like how, how likely is it that a random person will get into heaven? And Jesus almost answers it like, don't worry about that. You just do whatever you can do. Or not not in where, whatever you can do. You do the best that you can do as to be one of those people, you know. Amen. Amen. And I see where you're coming from. I the reason why I guess I pulled this is because he says right afterwards that many will try to enter instead of saying there's just a few. Just a few will try to enter. So the majority of them are actually going to get in. But no, he is saying many are going to try and, and it's not going to happen. So so that's why I think it's a continuation of that question. Are only a few going to be saved? Because he answers here that many will not. So I guess it's just deduction means it's just a few. I could be wrong, but we'll continue on in here in a second. No, I, I agree with you. And and it's it's almost I mean, the way it's placed is almost like I mean, could you imagine arguing with jesus at judgment like look at all these people are you are you really only going to save a few of them <laughs> and he's like yeah i already told you that you know and it's interesting that this person says this uh you know everybody is hearing them talk you know that is just there they're hearing them talk but this person has the right idea he, he's starting to you know count up things on his fingers like wait wait a minute this person don't get in this type of person don't get in and he's just like well, who's left <laughs> Like who actually gets in? He, so he, I think he asked the right question, and I'm glad that he was bold enough to ask that question. But he probably got the answer. He probably wasn't looking forward to though. But, but yeah, great comments on that, man. So yeah, I did want to bring that uh, to our attention that this particular thing is Jesus is saying that people are going to say that uh, we ate and drank in your presence, so we were we were around you. And uh, and you taught us in the streets. We heard you. You like like so. How how is this not possible? How can you say you don't know us? Like literally, you've been around us. And so, uh, and then he just repeats it. He says, "Your work is unrighteousness. Get away from me. I don't know you or where you're from." So we're going to a few different scriptures that kind of expound on this. And I will go to what you got for me, Ben. I was going to say also Jesus does this several different times um, and it, it seems to be on purpose that when he's talking this sort of way, you know, he goes down and he mentions Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom. Um, but you yourselves will be thrown out. 
you know, and so like he and he does this with Moses a couple of times and, and a couple of other people where he's like, like, y'all put all these people on pedestals. Almost like you're chasing after whatever it is that they were doing instead of doing what they were doing, which is focusing on God, you know. And so. Yeah. Amen. Simple obedience. I mean, uh, he, he talks about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, which, of course, uh, the people would, of course, look up to. But they're who they are because of their obedience, I would say. Uh, and and that's. Jesus is saying to make every effort. Now go this go this flies in the face of what um what what we want to believe. Okay, we, you know we say you know well it's faith not works because that's what the Bible says. But yet here's Jesus saying make every effort, do your best. I, I mean I just came from uh, a uh, a service a sermon where they were saying that you know they would not this particular verse but anytime a verse would say something like this they would say well it doesn't have to do with your effort but this is Jesus saying this I don't know if I can say I, I don't know if I'm bold enough to say I know he said that but that doesn't really count but he's literally that's the advice that he's given this person I thought that was interesting yeah, I mean, the third word here is effort. He said, you do everything that you can to do that, you know, like, and, you know, I I, I, I do believe that the majority and even sometimes I think all of it is out of our hands, but he says this for a reason, you know, so, um, you know, to make every effort. Yeah, and that's, so I like to um, bring up the scripture where, um, when Jesus was 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 um, when he was trying when he was being tested or being tempted out in the uh, in the wilderness and 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 the Satan Satan was 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 testing him and was saying you know if you're the son of God then do this and then he would use scripture to explain the reasoning behind it and he would use scripture and it was and it was scripture it was it was he was quoting it but what I found interesting is that Jesus would say it is also written. And then he'll, it, 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 to me, that's a big deal because we can't just pick one particular verse and, and then think it just does away with the rest of them. They're all together and they all have their particular meaning and time for them to, to, to be applied. And so when we say that, uh, uh, that we're saved by faith and not by works, 100%, I 100% believe that. But it's also written from Jesus himself. That we should make every effort so we can't just discount that but yeah great great comments on that so let's take a look at the next verse here so when we were talking about eating and drinking his presence he said it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i don't know you so if we go to james chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 it says but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he, he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does.
So James is telling us here in James 1, 22 to 25, that uh, we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, which is what Jesus, I believe, was saying in his previous verse that uh, these people are saying, we heard you. Well, you were teaching in our in, in our streets and we ate and drank in your in your presence. So they heard them. They weren't doing it. In fact, they're doing the opposite. He says, you workers of unrighteousness. Questions or comments on this so far? To me, that's pretty big that he says, you know, he said, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So if you're only a hearer of the word, if you only just listen and never get up and do anything that he says, then you have deceived yourself. Amen. And then somewhere it's written that, People uh, deceive themselves and they turn around and deceive others, teachers. And so that's what happens. We turn around and deceive others. We we also get them to do the same. And blind leading the blind at that point. Amen. Thank you for that, man. So let's get to the next one, which says. Romans chapter two, verse 13, that says. For the hearers of the law are not righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be declared righteous. So we have Paul saying this also, that uh, it's not just hearing it. It's not just listening to what to uh, what is being said. It's not just reading it, I guess, also. That's not what makes you righteous. It's actually doing what it says. This is verses like this, I think, that gives people problems because now all of a sudden now you have for real straight up religion it's straight up telling you you must do things you have there's actual rules there's steps to this there and i think that gets a lot of people irked because they don't want to have rules which in and of itself means lawlessness <laughs> it literally means like i don't want a law i don't want rules i don't want a law that's lawlessness and that is not righteousness questions or comments on that so far it's crazy how we got away from this because you know the thing about the first things that that god said to adam um it was rule-based you know there, there was no there was nothing about faith in there and maybe he didn't have to have so much because he actually saw him and all that kind of stuff or however you want to look at it but like he gave him a command right off you know do this and don't do this you know amen and uh the truth is i, I think also it's just it, it gets us to um it is i i believe 100 with 100 in me that everything is done by god ultimately everything is is, is done by him but i think that's also gives us a a, a uh, a false sense of security in thinking that we don't have to do anything and you don't have to do anything to get your salvation it's got you either have it or you don't however to prove that you that you're saved you will have works is the way i understand it but you're right we have gotten far away from this great comments on that next one so in Luke chapter 11, verses 27 through 28, it says, As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. 
But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So again, we have this concept of not just listening and hearing these words, but instead actually doing something about it. Uh, the woman stood up and she was like, hey, you know, she's she's, uh, you know, uh, praising God and said, hey, you know, the, not just praising God, but also the woman who would be Mary, of course, uh, that, uh, that bore him. And she's blessed. And he said, bless rather than that, her being blessed, the person is truly blessed is the person that hears what I'm saying and actually does it. That person is blessed. Questions or comments on this so far? All right. So again, the question is, what does the Bible mean by only a few will be saved? And we're going to go through. We got just a couple more to go through on this and see if we can bring this one home. So let's go to the next verse. And that's coming from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And we're told here, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. So again, that same theme is, is, is happening that it doesn't say here that many people find the road, find this road to life. Not only is it a narrow gate and it's a difficult road that leads to life. Not many actually find it. It says very few, few find it. So again, the answer, uh, the, he, he, he's, He's consistent in this answer that it isn't a lot. It isn't a lot. It's not going to be something that that is just going to be a ton of people. Uh, at looking at the end, all that are saved is going to look like a lot of people. But comparatively to the entire into the entire race of people, it really is just a few. Is what is what we're told. Questions or comments on this? So. Something just popped in my head and tell me what you think about it because it's not a fully fleshed idea. So, you know, some people will argue that, um, that, you know, what, what Jesus did on the cross, um, he, he dealt away with sin. But do you think, and, you know, and I, I agree with that, it, but some people go too far and say, well, now we can't sin. And that's not a true statement. But like all these verses that we're bringing up, um, do you think it leads more to um, not necessarily not sinning, but doing the things that make us righteous? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I would say based on, so, you know, uh, because of, of Rick, Ricky Brown, uh, I become someone who just love the old Testament. I love the old Testament. And I will say that listen to the Old Testament, if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I would say that the Old Testament is given to us and he's told, he tells the Israelites over and over and over again that do this as a warning to them. Or if something harsh really happens, he, he tells them this is an example. And then fast forward to the New Testament and uh, and we're told the same thing, that in Hebrews we're told that this is what happened in the Old Testament to a person based on, under the law of Moses, based off the testimony of two or three people. How much worse is it under the law of grace? And so we're told that that's a warning. All that Old Testament stuff is a warning. But we're told in the Old Testament and we're told in the New Testament that this stuff 
is literally to keep us on the straight and narrow. It is to literally keep us focused on doing right instead of entertaining uh, doing wrong. Uh, in the Old Testament, it would say stern correction awaits the one who uh, who departs from the path. Uh, and then in the New Testament, we're told uh, so much as to publicly at the end of it, publicly uh, uh, cast a person out of the church so that the others will fear. So the rest of them will fear and not do the same thing. So I truly believe that this, that, that, yeah, I think that that is right. That these things are given to us as warnings. For one, it is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. So if he says he's going to do these things, he's going to do them. So that that we we tend to use that as a good thing, but it's also true of the wrath and everything else that he says. So he's going to do these things. So it's a warning for that. And and also because, <clears throat> excuse me, also because it keeps us on that straight and narrow. It, it keeps us from, we all weigh our, uh, when we get ready to do something bad, we weigh the risk reward, the risk versus the benefits. We, we all do that. And I think that's what this is for. It's made so harsh to say it is not worth it. Well, I, I was arguing something or I was bringing up something slightly different. Not so much of the um, don't do these things, but, you know, there's not many commandments that say go and do this good thing, you know. Um, in in the Old Testament, you, you, there's some examples, but it seems like a lot of Jesus' ministry was uh, talking about go and do good things. Not don't just keep from doing the bad things. Go and do the good things. You know. Amen. I agree with that. You're right. I agree with that also. And I think that by not, I think by refrain. I think there's something to be said about refraining from doing evil. Absolutely. But I also think that uh, there is something about being stagnant and not helping, not doing, not actually doing good. And a case can be made about uh, the servant who had one talent and did nothing with it. Instead, he hid it and then and then gave it back to the master uh, without gaining anything. He just he just gave it right back to him. Like, this is how you gave it to me. I'm giving it right back to you. So a case can be made that uh, that that's a similar thing in that person was rejected that's a great comment all right let's get to this last one here i got so in john chapter 13 verses 12 through 17 it says when jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe this is going exactly what you're talking about ben so when jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So at the end of all this, here's Jesus uh, telling us, giving us an example and tells us exactly what we should be doing. We should be doing good. Not We should not just be refraining from evil. We should be doing good for our brothers and sisters. It's, it tells us this is exactly what, if, if he did this and he is the Lord, 
and the teacher, if he is the boss, if he is the master, and he is washing people's feet, then how can we have such a uh, haughty mind to think that I never do that? Like, I, there's not, there's no way I would do anything like that, or not just washing someone's feet, even if it's a matter of letting someone cut in line, you know, or or you know, just just some just simple stuff like that of actually showing that value in other people as opposed to just yourself. Questions or comments on this? All right. That was an easy one for the most part. And that's all we have on that question for this topic of what does the Bible mean by only a few will be saved? And the answer is pretty, I think, verbatim in that a few will be saved. That's what that's what he's telling us.